at the table there. It's a, it's a wonderful thing to, to see what God is doing in the life of this church. We have watched from a distance um, over many years and have seen the rhythms of God's grace flow through this community and just so excited about this moment. Aren't you? It just seems like God is doing something fresh and new with you. And so we are just, just in, in, incredibly excited to be here and to be part of this weekend. And um, I, I'm particularly excited about the fact that we're sitting at tables because we can drop our masks. I, I know you don't have to drop your mask, but uh, there's something in that, isn't it? We become open, honest, uh, face-to-face. Uh, I'm, I'm all hotful with Zoom. Uh, just, just too many, you know, connections. We need some connection. We need some face-to-face. We need some. We need a sense and feel what it is God is doing with one another. And and one of the things we wanted to do tonight, Karen and I, I'm, and I, she's the main course tonight. I'm just here to deliver the hors d'oeuvres at the beginning. Uh, uh, is that we've watched people being under incredible pressure through this time. I don't know whether you feel at times you've been under pressure but mentally struggling, stress, and the whole world is under uh, a certain degree of pressure at this time. And I think it's an unprecedented opportunity for the church and for the gospel. But for that to truly, really work for all of us, I think we have to live full of life. We have to learn how to deal with the struggles and the battles of our life. And one of the things that Karin and I have given our time to over the years with leaders is to try and figure out how leaders can best live from the inside out, how life is best lived from this incredible deposit of the Spirit of God that makes us alive on the inside. I'm not going to use those little goodies I had up on the screen because I'll just make a couple of comments. We, we know how we are meant to live when we read the scriptures in Psalm 62 and verse 5. It says, For God alone, O my soul, wait in silence. For my hope is from him. He is my only rock, my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be shaken. On God rests my salvation and my glory and my mighty rock. My refuge is God. We, we, we know this is how we ought to live. That the, the life is flooding through us. The, the glory of God is seen in our lives. So many times, though, we find leaders under incredible pressure, struggling, um, and, and we want to help you a little practically. And if it's not for you, then maybe it's for those that you lead to help them facilitate the, the, the flow of God's life uh, out of their inner being. I, I, I'm sure that you have heard these words before, but um, we're spirit, soul, and, and body beings. We, ha- we have a spirit. Our soul, our mind, our will, our emotions represents that part of us that's that's human, and, and then our body gets to express that. And, and before Christ, of course, we, we're dead on the inside. There's no life at the center of us. And the only place that we get to live our life from is from the soul. And so most people that you meet who have no life on the inside, they are walking around like alive people, but they're really dead on the inside. So they only know how to live from their soul. They only know how to live from their own will, their own emotions, and, and so they're driven by those things. And, and we can see the, the impact of that in the world. Um, but as believers, we get to live from the Spirit. We get to live from this incredible deposit of God that is to speak to the world out through our soul, transforming our mind, our will, and our emotions, and then through our body to the world to express God's incredible life to the world. 
But the great challenge we have often is that um, the world is busy. And so the world moves. It has momentum. It, it, it spins, if you will. And as we try and address the needs of our world, it kind of gets busy and busy. And I, I don't know whether you, you agree with me, but the world doesn't seem to be slowing down to me. Uh, if anything, it's speeding up. Stuff's moving at ever, ever greater pace. And the greatest challenge for many, many Christians and even leaders is that they have their own set of kind of momentum and, and, and it's their soul is, is not at rest. You know, they haven't found a place of rest yet and so their soul spins and, and if you could imagine almost spinning the opposite direction. They have their own momentum. Have you touched people that are like that? You know, it's not, it's not an ADD problem. It's like a lack of rest. It's a lack of peace. It's a lack of settledness at the core. And when you meet them, you even walk into a house that is quiet, but you can cut the tension in the room with a knife. You, know, you can feel the tension in the room because it's a, it's a lack of peace at the core, at the center. And so many people have a restlessness in soul. They have a, they have a stressed life and soul, and it traps something of the work of God in them. So the very life that was to move through them and bring transformation to them and life to them gets trapped by the restlessness and the stress of their own soul. And the life bounces around on the inside, if you can imagine. But they are not being transformed by the life of God. And one of the greatest testimonies we ought to have to the world is this transformative power of God's grace flowing through us, changing the way we think and feel and live and our minds are transformed. But often I find leaders and people are struggling with a soul that is restless and fractured because of society and because of the struggle of their own life. And the life of God can't really break through that. So we want to we speak a little bit to that. We want to help you a little with that in that journey to see the life of God flooding through you. Uh, I, I'm going to say this uh, one thing on Sunday and I will repeat it then. But for, for people to fall in love with Jesus, they have to fall in love with you first. And often I think we want to keep pointing at Christ, but actually the scripture keeps teaching that the world needs to look at us. Follow me as I follow Christ. There's this call, and, and, and the more fractured and restless and struggling we are in our mind and our soul, the more that becomes a problem because the expression of Christ through our souls is just so fractured and messed up that, that they're struggling to fall in love with you and therefore struggling to fall in love with Jesus. So there's an incredible testimony of rest that comes to believers that follow after Jesus Christ. Um, I, I read this the other day, and then I'm going to hand over to Corin to talk a little bit about that, that stress. But Dunce Pace says the stress is the trash of modern life. We all generate it, but if you don't dispose of it properly, it will pile up and overtake your life. So the stuff of, of our soul ends up hurting us, trapping us, growing up, giving us pain and struggle that traps something of this unbelievable explosion of life that was meant to flood through us. We want to release that pin in a sense today. We want to help you just practically as leaders as, you, as we kind of come to the end of an incredibly stressful season. Uh, for God's church around the world, that actually we can see it as our finest hour, our finest season, where the gospel gets its greatest impact upon the world, because there are people who are whole and rested, settled, and the world is bouncing around like a pinball machine, you know, 
pinging around, trying to, trying to make sense of the world. But when, when they touch God's people, there's life here. There's rest, settledness here. And that's what we're trusting God for. So I'm going to ask Corin to talk a little bit about that stress. Hi there. I've just realized that my iPad's a bit too far from my eyes here. So put it on my, my lunchbox. It's really great to be here with all of you. As Pete said, it's, I think you could have appreciated him carrying on talking. He's the guru when it comes to soul keeping. And, um, but I did... Uh, oh, thanks. Just now I'm going to have it right here, just where I need it. Um, yeah, I, f- I feel a bit awkward speaking about this tonight, I have to be honest, but uh, Pete and I have been praying for all of you, and we really did feel to be speaking on stress tonight, and to be speaking about inner life management and soul keeping, and so whilst we would probably see it as a very practical thing, not a spiritual thing, I think it is incredibly spiritual, because God has made us and wired us in a way, and if we learn how we are wired, we are able to process these things in our lives. The Bible says in Proverbs 23, verse 7, as you think, so you are. And I think that we keep that in our sort of mind space, but actually it affects every part of our body. So I'm doing something that I'm a bit uncomfortable doing tonight because I'm sharing on the science of stress, and I'm not a medical person, but it's part of my story, and I don't have time tonight to share you my, uh, you know, to share my journey with you, but the, the sort of sort of short version, because I'm pretty chatty, so Pete's even started my clock here, so just now I'm going to get a kick, so if you see me move, you know, he's given me a little time to land the plane. Um, Yeah, I found myself in a situation having, loving what I do, leading in the life of the church, but just getting more and more tired, I then got really, really sick, and I just couldn't recover, and nothing was working. I was going to see all the specialists, and eventually a GP who I love my GP, a close friend of mine, said, Karen, unless you completely alter the way you do life and what you do, you're not going to survive this. And I remember coming home to Pete and us sharing and her sitting with us. And Pete saying to me at that stage, I can do anything. I can do ministry with my left hand and I can do anything with my right. I just want you to be whole and happy and, and well. And at that stage, I just realized I had no idea. We all talk about stress, and it's just like in one big box. No matter who you deal with, it's just they're stressed. So you go, shame, yeah, they're stressed. Are you stressed? Yeah, I'm stressed. So what she, she began to explain to me is it's 70%, and she said it's actually more. I've now checked up with other GPs. So if you're sitting as a medical person in this room, please excuse me. I'm like the idiot version that I'm giving you of stress tonight. Because I live my life on a need-to-know basis, so I know exactly what my iPad can do, what I need it to do. It can do much more, and Pete's a knowledge man, so he keeps wanting to show me things that I can do better with my iPad, and I say, I just needed to do what, I just want to know what I needed to do. So that's how I've approached stress. She said to me that up to 70% of the people she sees, that's pre-COVID, are are presenting with stress-related symptoms up to 70%. And then I looked back at her and I said, you know what, Pete and I, and myself personally and the people I see, I would say up to 70% of the people I see are presenting with stress-related symptoms, whether it be in their marriages and their relationships and their leading of churches and that I'm dealing with stress. We bunch it all in a box. And I decided right there and then that I wanted to study what stress did to my body, how I could address it, 
And so the simple science of it is, ve is very empowering because if you understand what it's doing to your body, you know how to counteract it. And I know many of you can just roll your eyes and go, oh gosh, you know, we've also got Google. We can stress, you know, we can also see what stress does to our body. But if we understand it, we, we realize this is where we're tripping up. We're tripping up at the simple, simple solutions. We can't determine what happens to us. Many, many of us can't. But we can determine how our body processes it and how we process it. And there are the big scaries that happen to us. There's the, the very difficult sort of diagnoses that we get or death or situations that we're unable to control. But they are, within most of our lives, there are things that are within our control to determine how we process them. And so I'd like to encourage you just to, to sort of be patient with me and let me just give you a few ideas Then I'm going to help you with a few things that I've done. I've put them into practice. We've put them into practice. We've worked others through them. Simple reset practices that you can even use some of them and then develop your own. And it's, a, it's, the, it's the kind of longevity we're looking for. This is a marathon. This is not just a sprint. And everybody is just stressed. And if we can learn to help people, help our kids around our table, help our leaders, help those in our groups, I really do, see we'll, I, I really do know that we will get the benefit. So when we begin to look at prolonged stress on the body, it's all the things that we go to the doctor for. Heart-related symptoms, digestive issues, cramps, nausea, autoimmune diseases, mood swings, anxiety, certain forms of depression. I've got to speak in the, in the rhythm of the, of the thing, of Diwali. Digestion disorders, gut issues, insomnia, fertility, high blood pressure, memory, and concentration disorders. These are the things that you go to the doctor for and they do a barrier of tests and they come back negative. You don't have a heart issue even though that your heart, you don't have cardiac issues even though your heart is racing. And all these things, we get tests back and they go, it's, a, it's the stress that your body is experiencing and these are the symptoms you, you're doing. And I think that what, what I felt like myself is that I was running headlong into a wall and I wasn't able to course correct. So when you get knowledge... It's empowering because it allows you to course correct and not just, you know, smash straight into the wall and also help others with the same things. For me, it's, um, it's, in, it's very empowering because I kept holding my breath for a better day. If, you know, just wanting all my dominoes land, line, lined up, all my ducks in a row, and you kind of hold your breath and you just think, just, I'm going to wait because as soon as the end of the week is, we'll have a quieter weekend and we'll catch our breath. Something happens on the weekend and it doesn't come and you just slowly and painfully turn blue and there's nothing you can do about it. So I'm tired of pe seeing people taken out, so that's why we're having this discussion tonight. I have a life motto that says, I try and order and empower the areas of my life that I have control over so that what I don't have control over won't overwhelm me. So if you've ever been around me, you understand that I love order. That's why I'm such good friends with this lovely lady. We, I love order because I realize that if I can order the things I have control over, what I, 
when something arrives at me that I have no control over, I'm not completely overwhelmed because some things are in order. So there have been things that I've gone through. I've moved elderly parents. I'm walking with a family member who have gone, who's gone through a tremendous loss. There's a whole bunch of areas that, I, that are, I have no control over. But if I can order the things that I have in front of me, I'm not overwhelmed by all those. I can give my life to them because I'm not losing my life into all the things I have control over. So um, can I just take you through that quick synopsis of what happens when our body, when you encounter whether it's a bear, whether it's an unrealistic um, deadline, whether it's conflict, there's um, stress is this physical and mental reaction. You all know it, the fight or flight situation. A chain of events, I'm going to now read my notes, a chain of events kicks off in your brain and this is important, the part of your brain that processes both emotion and memory. That gets information from your senses. That's how your body knows, your brain, the command center, your hypothalamus, actually knows that you're under threat. It reads the symptoms, it reads the messages from your five senses. Um, if it perceives it to be threatening or dangerous, it sends a signal to your brain then a message is sent to your adrenals. This is the idiot version, the simple version. Sends a message to your adrenals. Your adrenals then activate your sympathetic nervous system, which is in charge of your fight or flight. And then your adrenals release these stress hormones. There, there's, there are others, but the main ones are adrenaline and cortisol. So you all know it. I can feel it now. I've got adrenaline in my system. When you're feeling under stress, your body immediately perceives the threat and it begins to pump out both adrenaline and cortisol. I'd like you just to know the two things. These are the main things these two stress hormones do. Miraculously, this is how God's designed our body to protect itself. Adrenaline increases your heart rate, which distributes oxygen-rich blood to your body. You need the energy, you need it quick, and you need the strength, so it increases your heart rate. It constricts your blood vessels, so it diverts oxygen to your muscles, so you've got strength. This raises your blood pressure. It does other things too. Those are just the main things. Cortisol provides your body with glucose. It gets it from a liver, which stores your, your sugar reserves, and it pumps it into your blood. It curbs all non-essential functions. The minute your body feels under threat, it pumps cortisol, the stress hormone, pumps into your body, and it curbs all non-essential functions that it doesn't see necessary for the fight. So these functions can be your digestive system, your reproductive system, your growth processes. And in the process, it alters your immune system. Your body understands that it has a fight ahead of it, so it, it needs to, it needs to um, stimulate your immune system so that you don't get sick, and it has to knock off and curb all the other non-essential functions for the fight miraculous. It's why, we've, why we are here. If I didn't have cortisol or adrenaline in my body at any stage, I'd be like a sort of sloth on a branch. We would barely move because it's adrenaline and cortisol that allows us to achieve things and dream and achieve and, and, and act and take risk and all these wonderful things. This is the reason I want to talk tonight though. What happens after 30 seconds, which is the design of God, 30 seconds, once the perceived threat is over, your body sends a message back to your brain, to your nervous system, all is well, we're back to normal, we're not under threat anymore, 
and um, your body resets itself. You're exhausted afterwards. We've all had those experiences. We've extended ourselves and we get home and we're absolutely exhausted. The threat is over, our emotions settle. The brain resets itself, the signals settle down, the adrenals stop firing, and our body is meant to be safe again. Something's gone horribly wrong though. What if the nervous system doesn't reset? What if these adrenals don't stop firing? What if they no, lo no longer, what if they constantly feel under threat? So what was designed to protect us now begins to hurt us. Constantly having cortisol and adrenaline pumping through your body. This is why we have to understand why we begin to get all these autoimmune disease, not only autoimmune diseases, but digestive issues and all these things when you understand what those two stress hormones do to your body. Those of you that are struggling with certain symptoms, you can begin to understand. This is perceived in your body. Your body is constantly perceiving a threat. So the part of your brain that processes emotions and forms memory are directly, um, directly connected to your senses. So, I mean, for us in ministry, dealing with people on a constant basis, it would just be a phone call, it would just be an SMS going, it would just be walking into a room where we'd had conflict, it would just be engaging with people on a constant basis, going through the lowest times of their lives, or, or even the highest times. It's dealing with finances, it's dealing with your kids, the stresses they're going through, that your body begins to connect with memory, it begins to connect with an immediate threat. So whilst the immediate message coming through wasn't perhaps a negative one, the memory in my brain is beginning to say, oh, when we get a message or we need a coffee or whatever, we connect the two. And our body goes immediately into a fight or flight situation. And I think that the lifestyle we begin to all live is that constant threat because we live with our devices. We're living in an environment. And unless we're aware of what it's doing to us, our body begins to form its own memories. And um, it's unable to reset itself because it's constantly perceiving the threat. So as I get, hopefully, into a little bit more of a positive zone, I want to say that we are speaking about the soul area of your life, the mind, the will, and your emotions. Your body, your physical body, reads from that space. So when you begin to read scriptures about reframing your thoughts and renewing your mind, it's actually all about this, because as you think, so you are. So we all understand the, 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 the necessity of reframing fearful thoughts, because most of our thoughts are actually fears. So to reframe them for facts, for what the word is saying, is actually bringing life to our body because it's beginning to say to our spirits, it's, I mean, our bodies, all is well. It's okay. We've perceived a threat, but we know this isn't a threat. God's got this. So I think we become very good at listening to ourselves, but we have to get even better at speaking to ourselves. Even better. I think that was actually something I picked up from one of Stan's preachers. Being able to speak to our bodies and speak to our minds, speak to our emotions and say, it is, it's, it's going to be all right. God's got this. We can handle this. You know, we're reassuring our body. And it sounds a bit, woo, you know, like a bit uh, whatever you're thinking. But it is actually how God's wired us. He's wired us that body, soul, and spirit, we should actually be in complete balance, you know. Anyway, so what I have uh, realized as I look at my time running down 
is that I've had to develop reset practices in my life. Reset practices, what I'm trying to say is reset my body, reset my adrenals, and say to my body, all is well. So we have to be spirit-led. That's actually what it means to be spirit-led, is that we, we get kind of spiritual about this and go, yeah, I need to be spirit-led. But what it means is that our messaging and our value system and our threat, uh, our, what, what, what is the word I'm looking for, is our safety mechanism come from the spirit, not from our, not from our soul, because our, our soul just reads from our senses and, and makes up its own version. I've got a really great uh, friend, she's a Buddhist, and we have these incredible conversations because I keep talking to her, you know, I mean, God's having conversations with her and he's allowing me in on them and it's a very exciting process. But um, she keeps saying to me that as a Buddhist, they believe that, you know, the, the body, soul, and mind have to be in perfect harmony. For those of you that have heard them speak that, they always speak about the harmony of that. And I kept I realized, I said to her, that's exactly right, because God's made us that way, that we should be in perfect harmony with our body, soul, and spirit. We should have life from our spirit, and it should flow unfiltered through a whole soul and give expression through our bodies. Anyway, just a slight little bit of science here before you, you give up on me completely, is that the sympathetic nervous system is in charge of our flight or fight situation. So it is the one that we ex access the most. But God has designed, as mo any of you that are into sort of exercise and um, meditation of any sort, realize that we've also got the parasympathetic nervous system. And God's designed that, and that does the exact opposite. When you engage or address or stimulate or activate the parasympathetic nervous system, it allows your body to go into rest and digest mode so that you can feel calm when things are safe. So it's incredibly helpful to know these two things, okay, so that we don't need to only lean into the, nervous, the sympathetic nervous system of fight or flight. The body's also been designed by God to activate the other side of it, which settles everything down and allows us to calm it all, calm the heck down. So the first one is deep breathing again. Now this is your chance to roll your eyes again because I have realized from my own life is that the more stressed I become, the more shallow breathe, the more I shallow breathe. And I sort of start to hold all my emotions and my stress and look very calm on the outside and paddle like crazy underwater. But what I'm actually doing is I'm shallow breathing and I'm waiting for a better day. And I lived my life like that for just a bit too long. And I was this close to burnout. Very grateful that my husband sent me to a health spa rather than a padded cell. But there is the reality of burnout. I have dealt with more women in ministry, more women in leadership going through burnout than anything else, which is so tragic. Unable to finish the race just because our natural emotional being of being able to socially connect so well with people can both be a benefit and an incredible threat to our bodies. Anyway, so a deep breath for those of you that don't know is to the count of four, you, deep, you breathe all the way in to the count of four, hold your breath and breathe all the way out. So you're breathing right from your diaphragm. It activates your parasympathetic nervous system. So a few things that does. Stick with me, guys. 
It calms you, it decreases stress, it stimulates your lymphatic system, which detoxes your body. It oxygenates your blood, lowers your blood pressure, and improves digestion. It is one of the major things that resets your adrenals. It's one of the major things when you begin to deep breathe in the morning, middle of the day, when you start to feel the tension, start to feel a little wired, start to feel you pulling, you know, opening and closing your hands because you can feel the adrenaline in your system. When you begin to deep breathe, you realize that your life and your breath is dependent on God. It's been one of the best practices we've developed as a couple and as a family over multiple years where I begin to breathe in the Ruach, the breath of God, the life of God, and I breathe out tension and anxiety and all the worry that I've carried with me. Before I sleep at night, I take deep gulps of breath and I breathe in all the God's goodness. I'm reminded again that he's got me. And I let go of all that anxiety. If not, we just carry it close. We shallow breathe. We wait for a better day. I love all the scriptures about breath. It's all over the, it's all over the Bible. God breathed his Holy Spirit on us. Acts talks about he gave himself. He himself gave everyone life and breath and everything else. So even in that place... Even in those meditative spaces, I love that. When I deep breathe, it's the first thing I do in the morning. I say, good morning, Lord. I open my doors and I begin to breathe. I think this pandemic has given us a gratitude for breath like never before. And I find myself taking in big gulps of air, grateful for air to breathe, grateful for the life of God that sustains me. The second thing is our sense of well-being with exercise. I have, I have had over the years such an unhealthy relationship with exercise because it's always been about fitness or weight loss or whatever. And I think a lot of us have associated that with exercise. But, you know, exercise is the thing that resets our bodies. You know, anybody that understands Anything about the science of exercise, understand that it, it raises your heart rate, so it relaxes to a new norm, normal, it lowers blood pressure, releases endorphins, reduces inflammation, but you have to find a healthy relationship with it. I have a very unhealthy relationship with anything that is remotely resembling a gym. I have just spent too many years there in my early years. And so when I go into the gym, it's, it, it, it's stressful to me and it's stressful to my body. So I found things that work for me. I walk, I swim. I love the rhythmic stroke of my, my hands hitting the water. Um, Pete's played sport for years and it saved him. When we led a church, he had a mate, well, actually it was Clint, uh, Clint uh, Stan's brother, Monday nights, Pete, you know, Monday after a weekend, he would just put those tennis shoes on. I could actually watch him begin to realize he would pound out in the tennis court with four mates week after week, year after year. And it saved him. It saved him because the thing that we don't feel like is the thing we need most. So most of us, when we're tired and stressed, just fall on the couch and we just watch TV or turn on Netflix but just going for a walk in the evening around the block, the rhythmic stroke of exercise, just walking around the block is saying to your body, all is well. God's got this. No need. We're not under threat. That's what exercise does for us. It's an amazing thought. Thirdly is um, 
I want to run through these quickly. Third thing is the, the, the area of diet, and I'm not speaking about only healthy eating. I just want you to understand what happens, that when you're in stress and when you're under stress, all you want and all you crave is sugar. And it is because under stress, your cortisol causes your liver to produce so much more glucose because it needs the... It needs the energy. It needs it. And what happens with most of us is we have all this sugar in our systems from all this adrenaline and cortisol, but then we add all the sugar in our diet, and we've got all this energy inside of us, but we have no output because most of our stress is emotional. It's not like you're in front of, you know, you're playing a game of soccer and you've got all this adrenaline because you want to win and you, you're playing out physically with it or, or we're still watching you know, sport with Peter on the couch. He plays every shot, every ball. He's up and he's down. He sweats after every game. Then. And um, um, so at least he gets it out while he eats all the, the food during rugby and soccer and whatnot. But anyway, so if you in, when you feel this, when you feel your body, I've had to do this. I've had probably one of the most stressful months of my life because I had to move my parents in their late 80s and it's been stressful and it's demanded of me emotionally as well as the other things I'm dealing with. And I just made sure that I made healthy choices and just a grabbed, grabbed food that I knew would say to my body, all is well. I mean, of course, I threw chocolate in there too, but that was just for the emotional well-being that all is well. And the last thing about diet is water, is that I think that that's, I mean, I've taught my kids this, that water is neutral. I don't know what neutral is. Is it 7.5, 8.5, those of you that know. But water is neutral. It's why it's so good for us, because with all the sugar in our liver, we just have such an acidic digestion. Our stomach is full of acids. So when we drink water, it neutralizes it. And so we get an, we get a, we meant to function in alkaline state. It's why we go to the doctors with achy joints and we feel so exhausted in that because this sugar in our system, this glucose, is not giving us go. And so then when we begin to drink water, it neutralizes it. It's designed that way. It's God's way. Okay, have I got enough time for a few more points? Is he, are you telling me one more point? Oh. Okay, so these are a bit more for my soul, but um, I think with the boundaries, I've written here boundaries and devices because I think that we do live, this, um, my daughter's 22, and they say that this age group is the most tech, tech conscious, so they're most savvy with their tech, but they are the most anxious of any generation. The most anxious of any generation. I mean, if you think about the wars and the Great Depression and the anything, and it's actually because of the very devices they hold. And so we do need to realize that we need to start our day right. If the first way you start your day is grabbing a device, you're not getting perspective on your day. You have to grab something that reminds you of your purpose. So it gives you perspective as you start your day. It allows you to say the very hard no's instead of the regretful yeses. Whereas when you start your day wired and you check your phone and you can see all the messages and you know things are ahead of you, you just get this sort of wired run into your day. And people ask you for things. Yeah, sure, no, I'll do that. No problem. Yeah, I'll be there. Great. Yeah, I'll sit there in my diary. Another reminder. You have no sort of sense of perspective. And I think God wants us to live in places of purpose. 
where we just have a moment to breathe, think, and make decisions, not run wired. And I'd love to encourage you to do, to do that. Even I've had to take over a season, I've had to take the word off my phone and just get the old leather Bible and just pull it open. I've had to have something tactile, something that resets me, something that says, this, this is my life's purpose and God's wired me to be able to cope well, not just run into my day. So those are boundaries. When it comes to relationships, the more stressed we become, the more we want to isolate. It's what the pandemic has robbed us of because we've all begun to isolate, then we've got into our heads, and then we've begun to think this is a better way to live. But without community, without the table, we're just getting information from churches, but we're not living lives close to each other. And what community does is it pulls you out of yourself. It pulls you out of your head. When you isolate, you think too much. You overthink. You overcompensate. You know, you, you know yourself when you are stressed and you isolate. You're so in your head that you have no perspective. Boy, you go down every possible rabbit hole of the maybes and the what. But when you take that same discussion that's going on in your head and you put it to a table, now you begin to come out of yourself and you start to get perspective and you, get, you find your, your, your hands relaxing. And it's been the biggest challenge we've realized is that most of the people that we counsel and, and leaders that we mentor, perspective is their greatest challenge. Not actually the relationship they're in. They just, they, they have no perspective. They're so wired, so stressed, so pulled that they overcompensate, overdiscipline, overreact. They just have no perspective to pull off the rock face. And isolation intensifies that. It doesn't pull you out of yourself. It keeps you in yourself. And it makes you realize, oh, no, this is the way we were meant to be. No, I don't need to go back to church. Gee, I can just watch in my slippers on the couch, you know. But that, it, it, you get more and more into yourself, the, the very opposite Pete and I had a very difficult season in the church, a winter season, and when Bianca was born. And we called her our delightful distraction from birth because she pulled us out of ourselves. And children have a delightful way of doing that. They pull you out of yourself. You just want to go home and just, oh, just I'm done there. You know, and you're, you've just got a whole lot to say. And suddenly you're just playing Lego or you're watching something or you're throwing a ball outside. It just pulls you out of yourself and you get perspective. And, um, yeah, let me move on quickly. Um, last one. Pete's spoken about this before. He's really good on this point of joy deposits. So those of you that were at the last relating times would have heard this, is that we live our lives, we try and live our lives understanding that everything is taken from us when it comes to the world that we live in, the jobs we live, the people we are around, the difficult relationships, even family relationships. They're withdrawals. So we have to actually lean into some deposits because what happens with deposits is we're always too tired to do them. We think, oh, no to the bra, no to that. Oh, we can't do that. We just want to relax. We need a rest. But what we realize is we have to lean into those moments because they're joy deposits. We're meant to laugh. We're meant to sit around a bra. You know, the smell of meat is not... I mean, I, I'm married to Smokey Robinson here. He's a Dane. Thankfully, my son has learned how to bra. 
So we, we used to bry every Friday night, but it wasn't because Pete was a great bry and he's not a big meat eater. It was because it was something with the senses that told us it was Friday. There was something about the coals just burning and the family coming around, the kids in the pool. It was a reset for our bodies. It was a joy deposit. And we made some decisions early on. We've done a lot wrong in our life, but one of the few things we've done right is that we've decided to lean into yes with our kids. We didn't want to be those parents that were kind of, we led a church and we didn't want to be at the rugby function or the whatever. So in our kids' schooling, we just decided to be in the sides of the field and to go to the, you know, the dinners and the, you know, handing out of things. And it pulled us out into the community, but more importantly, it pulled us out of ourselves and it was a deposit into our lives of normal. Don't live abnormal, wired, you know, I don't know, stressed, tight-fisted lives. It's joy deposits that makes you make you laugh again. It's um, good music, good theater, gardening. It's all those wonderful deposits coming to the ocean that we live right, right by. I just wanted to finish by saying that if you understand what triggers you, if once I understood and I could feel the adrenaline and cortisol in my body, I didn't just think, oh, I'm so stressed. I instead could address it, speak to myself, and reset it, and actually find the difference. I'm able to do that. Even this afternoon, I got a bit in my head today because I'm thinking, oh, it's such a practical thing. This is not what we wanted to really have to share about tonight. But I just started to deep breathe, and I just realized, thank you, Lord. You've got this. You know, and I just reset so I wasn't sort of wired and stressed by it. Because I think just in my last closing point is that we all want to live extraordinary lives. But actually extraordinary living hides and just doing the ordinary well. It's not rocket science. It's just doing the ordinary well. Anyway, thank you. Two days ago, I was married for 36 years to this amazing girl. <laughs> to wrap up, to end, uh, God is wanting us to live uh, from the Spirit, full of life. It says in Psalm 42, verse 7, deep calls to deep as the roars of your waterfalls. All your breakers and all your waves have gone over me. By day, the Lord commands his steadfast love, and at night, his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. The roar of his waterfalls rolling over me. I, I, I think one of the greatest testimonies of God's life in a church, in a community, is how this life is seen here at the tables, at the community we have, at the connection we have. That actually we learn how to live life, not from the soul, not fractured like the world does, but we're living life from a spirit that, that transforms our mind, our souls, and works out through our bodies and speaks to the world. I'm convinced that's what God wants to do with you as leaders. It, it's, it's a tragedy to me that so many leaders fall short of that. They don't live with joy. I, I, I said this to the leaders the other day out here. The most incredible thing about the history of Israel is that they keep having these celebrations. You know, eat and be merry. And then they have another one. A couple of weeks later, let's do it again. <laughs> A month later, let's do it again. And it's like God is interested in our joy. He's interested in us loving life, enjoying the moment, 
uh, often I was one of those guys that would stand at parties and lean up against walls and you know, be unhappy that everybody was having fun. And I thought that's the very opposite of how we ought to do life, isn't it? That we're meant to live life with joy and the sweets have arrived at the table to put a full stop behind that idea. Let's be men and women, let's be leaders in this church that demonstrates life not lived from the soul, not lived with stress, learning how to deal with that, learning how to enact some of these very simple truths that Corin shared tonight so that we can be those full of joy that floods out through us and speaks to the world. Is that okay? Father, I thank you tonight. Just as this part of the evening comes to a close, I thank you that, just lean back in your chair, just lean back for a moment, lean back, come, sit in your chair, lean back. The, 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 the name of God in the Old Testament, this uh, Jehovah, this, this word that in Hebrew is a word that cannot be uttered, can only be breathed. <laughs> Because you couldn't say the name of God. It was too holy. So the, 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 the idea in the, in the Hebrew culture is that God is so holy, but he's to be understood in our breath. Lean back. Take a breath. The spirit of God, the life of God is in us. His breath is in us. At the very start of the human experience, he breathes life into the nostrils of man, and man becomes a living being. In that upper room, he comes into the room and he breathes on them. Say, receive the Holy Spirit. And we have life in us. We become born again. We become living beings from the inside. So we lean back now. We lean back. And we say, thank you for your life. Thank you for the joy and the life that we can live in. Thank you that we can reset the rhythms of our lives and live with a moment of celebration and joy. We trust you for that, Father. Break that over us. Let us live in that space and not live with tension and legalism and harshness and toughness with our kids and that life is just one big run, but that actually we can breathe again and love you in the moment. In Jesus' name, amen.